5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. by my best friend, back from Boston, B-Town. Introduce yourself, my friend. It's the ref, Philip Pilkington. The ref! Was this song picked by intern Courtney? This song was picked by intern Courtney, who's our music director today. Courtney, why this song? She doesn't know why she picked this song. What's the appeal to this song? I will say, it was in my Spotify likes, and I was just trying to pick one of those. I think I've heard this song in like a car commercial or something before. No, I, I mean that's not a diss or anything. I kind of like the song. I would say this is uh, the song is upbeat. It's fun. It's I think it's one of those songs you could definitely jam to. It's it's not the type of music I listen to a lot. Same. But it, to go out on my list too. But I mean I don't see why I wouldn't. I like it. I like it. Keep it coming, Courtney. Something different. Something new. I do definitely need to spend my mu- music palette. I can't listen to rock, country, and rap all the time. You know, I got I got to yeah, get know, into more modern. Expand stuff. your horizons, Pilk. Yeah. <laughs> like country rap and rock have been around since you know forever yeah and don't mix them because then you just have a terrible storm there then you so have old like town hurricane. road yeah yeah then you get old town road yeah <laughs> anyways let's get back on track here what a way to start the show there um last i was it yesterday mike houston had a press conference uh addressed a lot of things in the bio week especially uh answered a lot of questions concerning that ucf game uh, considering that there really wasn't a post-game kind of interview or press conference following that close UCF win or loss, excuse me, they definitely didn't win that game, and um, a lot of interesting comments. Uh, we picked three of the most important ones, kind of like I did yesterday with the Mike Houston radio show. And uh, where do we want to start here, Philip? I'm thinking maybe let's go with kind of the missed chances in that ball game because that's kind of the narrative and the big thing surrounding that ball game. It's just the constant missed chances on offense. Defense constantly setting up opportunities for the offense, and they just couldn't get it done. I hope that's what he's talking about here when he talks about missed chances. Let's see. Well, that's definitely not it. Now are the missed chances on offense. That was a missed chance. I thought our kids played very, very hard. I thought we did a lot of good things. I thought we missed a lot of opportunities. You know, first two drives of the ball game to come up with no points is is very frustrating. Um, you know, to to be deep in the red zone so many times and only have one touchdown is very frustrating. Um, you know, to not be able to get uh, you know a couple of stops there in the second half is frustrating. Now, UCF's talent and ability have a lot to do with that. I mean, it's you know we walk out there you know to start the game and you're looking like, I mean they're a good looking football team. They're athletic. They're big. Uh, they're it's a good football team. First impressions on that, Philip. For initial reactions. I mean, he's right. If you're going to have these mess ups, at least it is a very good and very well coached, very experienced football team. This is a loss you can afford to have. It is, but you know, it seems like missed opportunities has kind of been the story of our losses. You know, it's one thing when you go, man, we played the best football game I think we could have played, and today the other team was just better. And we haven't had that loss yet. Most of the time in our losses, we've been the better team. 
Yeah, and it seems like, like you said, not converting down in the red zone. And and the question is, why is that? I mean, there's been plenty of times this year we've converted in the red zone. The only reason we've had is we had to go for it on fourth down. Is our play calling predictable? Is it an execution standpoint? I mean, are they like the Panthers where they just can't execute in the red zone and they haven't for 10 years? I mean, obviously we don't know what it is, but I I think that's what it comes down to is execution inside the 20s because we play well between the 20s. And I don't know, it seems like to stall out after that. You got to take advantage of opportunities. They did not take advantage of the opportunities the defense set them up with either. There's plenty of times they had good field position. All you need is a first down or two to be in field goal range, and then you go three and out. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the story of ECU football this year and their losses. And, um, you know, we talk about, you know, predictable offense. Look no further in that drive when there was what? I think it was the third quarter. And um, we're, we had finally sustained a long drive in that football game, which is what we wanted to do, keep UCF's offense off the field, limit them as much as possible. We finally get a long drive going on offense. We get, we get down to first and goal. We want to score here. We need a touchdown here to win, pretty much win the ball game. And first and goal, five-yard run up the middle of Rajay Harris. Very next play, up the middle of Rajay Harris, no gain, stuffed. What's the next play? Next thing you know, Mason Garcia is coming out there on the field. Stop me if you've heard this or seen this before. And uh, he gets the ball, rushes left, and stuffed. Settle for a field goal, which you could not do at that point in the ball game. See, I know you don't want to just run the ball with Rajay three straight times, but the bottom line is anytime Mason has came in the game, yeah. he has came in to boot out and throw a pass or run a QB keeper left. Why not just put him in the game and run a a normal play, or as if he a, was hoping or because or something. That's you know? that's the one thing that they haven't seen on film. Yeah. And now, obviously, you know, you're taught expect the unexpected. And I'm not saying it's got to be run right at the gut. You know, it can be an off tackle run or maybe do a read option. I mean, something. I don't know. And you know, we get it. There is problems with this offense with the with the Pirates here. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to see that. A scientist to see that. Um, it's not necessarily a matter of they're just off or they don't have the talent. It's just a matter of consistency. We've seen games like Tulane, or they drop, what was it, 40? Um, I think it was actually 50 on Tulane. Then the very next game, you're dropping, what was it? I mean, not even 16. Maybe we lost 20 to 16. Yeah, 16 to UCF, who is a good football team, granted. But I think back to that Charleston Southern game. Didn't play necessarily how we wanted to play on offense in that game either. So, I mean, it's just... It's just a matter of inconsistency when it comes to this team. And all I think a lot of these fans just want is, of course, they want the consistency, but if they can't get that, start holding guys accountable. And I'm not talking benching hold nailers or benching any other player in that offense, but just, you know, challenge them in practice. I mean, work out the kinks. Find something, and if they're not getting the job done, then bench them. But these guys need to start be held accountable. I think what we want to see in these press conferences, okay, you got to admit, Holden's got faults here. He made the wrong play. Or Donnie K didn't do necessarily what he was supposed to do right there. But I guess that begs the question, if you do start doing things like that, do you lose a locker room that way? So maybe he's in a tight spot. I don't know. I'm not a head coach. Well, another thing is this isn't happening on defense, and I can tell you why. It's because of the depth. We talked to Blake Carroll about it last week, and he was talking about how – or maybe it was a week before, how much depth there is at every single position. 
and every guy knows that he's fighting for his job. And now it is easier to rotate on defense. You have to rotate the defensive linemen or they'll be gassed midway through the second quarter. Of course, yeah. You don't really want to rotate offensive linemen because it's a chemistry thing and it gets them out of their groove. Yep. But you need to maybe rotate them in practice a little bit. Let the other guys know they can run with the ones. I mean, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but say Avery Jones has a bad game. It's totally hypothetical. Yeah. We've seen Trent Holler get in and play really well. And all it is is you got to find a way to let Avery know, hey, your, sh- your spot's not safe because – Trent did a wonderful job when he was in. And each guy at each position needs to know that, and you got to have that depth. And like I said, we don't know if they believe they have that depth. It's it's not ours to say. Uh, last week, Coach Kirkpatrick thinks there is that depth at receiver, and that's why some of the guys have been stepping it up. And honestly, uh, not going to lie, I was traveling this week. I did get to watch most of the game, but not every minute of it. And it was in a hotel, streaming through my laptop. Wi-Fi was a little shaky. So didn't maybe get to analyze it as much as I wanted to, but I did think the receiver play actually wasn't horrible. Yeah, they were getting open. Um, I think the big problem was, is, and maybe you can correct me on this, but what I noticed is maybe the offense and scheming when it comes to this game wasn't necessarily what it needed to be. And, and hear me out here. We know we have an offensive line problem. I think, what was it, Noah Henderson got hurt in that game. One of our tackles got hurt in that game. We are now down to our third or fourth right tackle this year. So obviously, you know, coming into that game, even before that injury, there's an offensive line problem. Why not find a way to get maybe some quick screens, utilize your running backs in the pass game and out of the backfield, something like that. But it seemed like any time Holton was dropping back and get ready to throw the ball, he was looking downfield or trying to make the big play downfield. And that was especially puzzling. It was puzzling to me, especially considering the fact that's a close ball game. You don't necessarily need those plays. You just need to just find a way to get this offense going and get this offense in a groove and find a way to just get the first down. You don't need the big play downfield for a touchdown. Just need to get something going on offense. I didn't necessarily understand why they're dropping back and looking for the deep play, especially when they know they have an offensive line problem. So I, I do agree. However, and we were not in the film room earlier in the week, yeah. and maybe they felt the best way they could exploit UCF was beating them vertically. You know, maybe they thought they're covering the stuff underneath better yeah. and and stuff like I said. I'm watching on my laptop in a hotel, so it's kind of hard for me. I'm not. I'm more just trying to focus. My parents were getting stuff out of suitcases and stuff, so I'm not, you know, pre-snap looking at what the defense is in like I would be if I was at a game or if I was normally watching it. So it's really hard for me to say. Yeah. But if you're pre-snap seeing them, the only thing they're giving you is the deep ball stuff. And like I said, if you schemed for earlier in the week that that's what was available then, um, yeah, you know, you, you got to – way you've practiced in the week, you didn't practice for Noah Henderson to go down. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, if you did scheme for that all week, I think there needs to be some kind of alternative. That's kind of one of my other major criticisms when it comes to this offense and this team is the fact that we're not making adjustments after the half. It seems like every week or maybe every other week we have the worst third quarter you've ever seen by a team in college football like it's just it's atrocious and that's what's been losing us ball games and uh, I think that's just really what I want to see is just some kind of adjustments coming out of the half when you look at the two-lane game how we won that ball game and yes the third quarter wasn't the best in that two-lane game but I really did feel like we did make adjustments in that ball game and we were able to unhitch the trailer and really get things going and just not let off not let off the gas put them out of their misery finish this ball game and that's not what we're seeing in these losses here. We're not seeing a lot of halftime adjustments. It's a whole lot of what it seems like sticking to the script. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And that's kind of been the 
been the narrative over the first six games, but uh, we will. We're eleven minutes in the show now, so I think we yep. move on to the next cut. Yeah. By the way, today's prior report brought to you by Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop, your one-stop destination for hunting, fishing, and boating supplies. Also by Farm Bureau Insurance. They believe insurance is more than a product; it's a service. Local agents from right here in your backyard. Moving on to yesterday's press conference, Coach Houston talked about. Uh, not calling timeouts late, more so just his clock management late in the game. A lot of fans had a lot of questions a lot about that. And I didn't really get to address that early in the week. I had completely forgot about that. And you brought up that to me kind of pre-show. Specifically, I think when there was like a couple seconds left in the ball game and we had a timeout and we used it kind of late. Uh, kind of explain that late kind of game situation to me there. Uh, Philip. what was kind of happening there? What was the deal exactly? Well, well, let's get to the cut and hear Coach Houston's side, and then we'll we'll come back. On the goal line right there, they lined up in a, in a formation and a set that we worked all week. Uh, we had the call that we wanted, so Coach Harrell and I were in communication. We had one timeout left. If we had taken the timeout, it would have been to basically review what we did on the play anyway. Um, and we executed. We had a guy in the backfield, you know, four yards, four yards from the goal line. If he gets him on the ground right there, it's going to be fourth and – Fourth and four, and they got a decision to make if they want to kick it and send it to overtime or if they want to go for it and try to win the ball game. So I don't feel like it would have impacted the, the play call. So here's where Coach and I view this differently. And this is okay. Everybody's got their style. I'm not bagging on him in any ways. Yeah. He viewed that timeout, potentially taking a timeout there, from an X's and O's standpoint. I viewed it from a clock management standpoint. And what I saw was – in that situation, UCF snapped the ball with 10 seconds to go on the play clock, not on the game clock, on the play clock. So 30 seconds ran off from the minute the previous play ended to that ball being snapped. I viewed it as take the timeout immediately so that when you get the ball back, that's an extra 30 to 40 because I thought they were going to actually run more time off the clock that you'll have because if when you call a timeout on offense, as great as they are to have, if your offense is pretty good about getting up and snapping the ball, you only save yourself about 15 seconds. And we ended up calling it later and saving ourselves no time. It, we just had it at X's and O's more time to talk about the next play. Yeah. And he could have saved himself 30 more seconds there to have the football. So that's where I disagreed with it. He viewed it from an X's and O's standpoint. And you know what? If he views it as we were going to have the right defensive call and we were going to make the stop and he believes that much in his team – you got to respect a coach that believes in his team that much. So I'm not going to dog on him. I will say that I would have done it differently, in my opinion. I've always been a clock guy. I'm very conservative in my, like, I'm not a huge guy for going forward on fourth down and gutsy situations. Coach Houston is way more gutsy than I am, but, hey, that's probably why I'm sitting here and uh, he's getting paid millions of dollars to coach football. And I think that whole kind of deal is just finding a way to win close games. And, I mean, I don't think that team's necessarily there yet. I get it. We still have a chance to go to a bowl game this year, but I feel like if you want to go to a bowl game, you have to find a way to win those close games. And a part of that is, like you said, clock management. Learn how to use your timeouts late in ball games and when to use them. And uh, I think it's just an adjustment period. We haven't won a lot of we haven't won a lot of ball games so far. It's just a matter of learning how to win and close out those tight ball games. And I think that's just a matter, just kind of the negative effects of that kind of adjustment period when it comes to just learning how to win close ball games. It's unfortunate, but it's the way it is. Anyways, to kind of wrap it up, uh, Mike Houston specifically talked about the development of young receivers, which is particularly interesting considering their ex-receiver and C.J. Johnson didn't have the best day. Audio Matosha really stepped up. 
and he's having a better year than years previous, but still a little inconsistent. Uh, didn't hear much from Tyler Snead in that game. Uh, guys are just not very consistent on offense, especially when it comes to receivers. What other options do they have sitting there on the bench or elsewhere out throughout the team? Coach Houston talks about it. Yeah, and that's we we talked about it. We had several of them that we were you know getting extra reps today. Uh, you know, being very deliberate with trying to get some of those young guys to come along a little bit more. And you know, when you talk about those guys, it's just they're all at different places. You know, Jari Patterson's at one place, Kerry King's at another place. You know, those are two guys that just popped to my mind. You know, right out of the gate. Um, you know, the guys that have been playing a good bit, uh, you know, they could, you know, they, they're not going to get quite as much work this week. And, uh, and you know, you got to kind of balance that with making sure they get enough to stay sharp and improve on things that we, uh, we need to do better. I mean, good, because, and Donnie Kirkpatrick talked about it last week, um, he thinks some of the receivers have been stepping up because they feel a little pressure from the younger guys. I think Taji Hudson and Tyler Savage have played well the last few weeks. Yeah, they may have been getting the ball thrown to them when they've gotten in, but they've blocked really well in space, and you got to block for these running backs, and they've done a good job of it, and they still run good routes. They seem to have good spacing on their routes. So, um, And it's we've seen Audi step up from, because of it. We've seen CJ step up just not consistently from of it, from it. And we've seen Josiah Hatfield step up. And now if he's even talking about guys on the depth chart past Taji and Tyler Savage, hey, man, that's great because the bottom line is this passing game has been inconsistent. And the bottom line is I don't care if a guy is local or has the bigger name. Yeah, The best player needs to play. And if he's confident in his young guys, great. And just find a way to utilize them, utilize their strengths, play to their strengths. Um Right now, it seems like this offense, a lot of guys feel very awkward, look very awkward. Uh, Holt Naylor, so you can bring him up. He's a guy that looks very awkward in this offense. I don't know if that has to do with the scheme or the type of play style they got going on on offense, but he doesn't look very comfortable from game to game. Something's going on there. I think if you are going to bring up these young receivers, especially we got to consider these guys that are coming up, these are Houston's guys, the guys that are starting right now. Yes, some of them are Houston's guys, but most of them he's inherited from Scotty Miller. Like, for example, C.J. was not a Houston guy. So, I mean, if I think if in order for Donnie K. to save his job and to stay throughout this or stay past this season, he's got to develop these young receivers and just play to their strengths and just showcase, especially in this latter half of the season, that they can get a competent offense going, and that really there's a bright spot with the guys coming up. There's something to look forward to. Yeah, I agree, because even when you're down and out of games, it's always promising to see your offense look explosive and see new faces with the next football generation. in their hands. The next generation, because yep. you know they can do it next year, and there's always the future. I know you got to worry about the present right now, but when the present isn't going good, at least show that the future could be brighter and there's light at the end of the tunnel. That was today's Pirate Report brought to you by Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop, your one-stop destination for hunting, fishing, and boating supplies. Also by Farm Bureau Insurance. They believe insurance is more than a product. It's a service. Local agents from right here in your backyard. When we come back, Mike Oresco made some interesting comments earlier today. We're going to get me and Phillip's thoughts on the whole Conference USA deal. What was Mike Oresco's kind of reaction to that proposal made yesterday by the Conference USA Commissioner? All that and much more from AAC Basketball Media Days next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. And Pirates. Hello there. 
Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. Uh, put its pants. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Hey, I want to tell you about Wilson Rhodes Heating and Air Conditioning. They've been in the keeping you comfortable business for 60 years on Hooker Road in Greenville. Steve Rhodes, second generation, gives each customer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Wilson Rhodes, an authorized train dealer specializing in new installations, home replacements, service agreements on all makes and models. Go online at wilsonroads.com for simple financing options that are just a few clicks away. To get the job done right, Wilson Rhodes. You'll be comfortable in no time in Greenville. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the North Carolina Army National Guard. Aired by the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters and this station. Before I was adopted, I felt like nobody wanted me. I felt like my life was already over. At a certain age, they don't want you. You're troubled and stuff. Even if I wanted to be adopted, who would adopt a 17-year-old? Inside, I knew, like, I'm not a troubled kid. I know what I'm in for, why I'm here. My biggest fear was that I would age out and not know how to be sufficient on my own. I had nightmares every single day at my birth mom's house. It was just really scary for me living there. I was scared, I was lost, and I felt hopeless. I felt like, don't I deserve to feel happy and loved? I just wish I'd gotten adopted sooner. Unfortunately, the number of children waiting to be adopted from foster care is on the rise. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is the only public nonprofit charity in the U.S. focused exclusively on foster care adoption. You can help. Go to DaveThomasFoundation.org to learn more. Donors choose. Support a classroom. Build a future. Did you know that every year, public school teachers spend nearly $500 of their own money for student supplies? Let's do the math. That comes out to over $1.2 billion a year. And that's just not right. At Donors Choose, we want students and teachers to have the tools they need for a great education. And now, more than ever, they need your help. Here's what you can do. Go to DonorsChoose.org and choose from teachers' requests that support reading, math, science, history, and more. Once a request is funded, we'll take care of shipping everything directly to the teacher. It's that easy. You'll receive thank you letters and photos from students and teachers and a report of how every dollar was spent. Teachers' needs have never been greater. Learn more at DonorsChoose.org. Donors Choose. Support a classroom. Build a future. Greenville's number one sports show is back. Understand? Yeah, I understand. Now I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. It's the Patrick Johnson Show on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. The P-Man away on vacation. In the meantime, me, Ben Byram, and Philip, the ref. I like to call him Pilk. Pilkington in with me, uh, just back from Boston, B-Town, and um, what we got here, Courtney? You're our music director. Who's this? Portugal the Man. Portugal the Man. Okay, I've heard this name before. 
I don't think I've uh, ever. I don't think I've ever heard any of his songs, but it's not bad. I, I, I I've definitely it. heard. What is their most popular song, Cordy? Because th- this actually sounds really familiar. The the artist voice as well as the band name. But what's their most famous song? Because I feel like I would know it. Most famous song. Uh, I would feel like it would probably be one of this one or something off of this album, but probably this one because this one has been on the radio before. Okay, it has. All right, so. I don't specifically recognize the song. Maybe I heard another one. I'll look them up in the next break and uh, yeah. get back to you because I am curious. My The real question is, is this one guy? Because it's Portugal the man or is this a group? I'm confused here. I don't know this new stuff. She can't even answer. This is supposed to be one of her bands right here. She can't even tell me. I don't know if it's a band or a person. I don't know. I'm confused. Music these days with young kids, I just don't get it. No, good choice, Corey. I kind of like it. I can dig it. I can get behind it. Anyways, let's get right back down to it. Um, big kind of uh, revelation yesterday. Big report coming from Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger, or Dellinger here, um, been on the show before, friend of the show. Um, he released an article that says the Conference USA asked the American to consider a reorganizing of both conferences. When you look into it, the best way to explain it is what's going to happen or what the Conference USA commissioner wanted and reached out to the American about was that she had the idea to merge both conferences together, all the teams. Then what you do, this is excluding UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston because they're going to be gone down the road anyways. They're not included in these future plans. But the idea was to merge both conferences, the Conference USA and the American together. You put them in one big pile, one big pool, and then you separate them based on regions. So all the Western teams would be in one conference, all the Eastern teams would be in another conference, and then whichever one would be the American and whichever one would be the be the Conference USA. It's basically, it's almost like a trade in some sorts. And um, she kind of breaks it down here. The proposed kind of conferences here in the East, from what I see, it will be East Carolina, Charlotte, Old Dominion, Temple, Marshall, FAU, FIU, South Florida, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, and two potential new additions. In the West, it would the West is stacked. It's way better than the East. I'm not even going to front right here. SMU, North Texas, Rice, UTEP, Southern Miss, Tulane, Tulsa, Louisiana Tech, Wichita State, UAB, Memphis and Texas San Antonio. So that is a stacked conference. The East, not so much. If this, if we're strictly talking football here, I like ECU's chances in the East. Yeah, I would too. It's that's. I mean, Middle Tennessee State goes up and down. So does Western Kentucky. Yeah. But uh, other than that, yeah. The only question I have is, what happened to Navy on this list? They just <laughs> they just got hosed. I yeah. thought they'd be in the East. Um. Uh, Navy just got kicked to the curb. Navy is not included in this list for some reason, but hey, this is what the lady proposed. And I kind of read into this, and I read in between the lines. This report was kind of released an hour or two before our show yesterday. This What this kind of tells me is that Commissioner Oresco, he's heavily pursuing the top teams from the Conference USA, maybe most of the teams from the Conference USA. And I think this lady, who's the commissioner of the Conference USA here, uh, she realizes she might not have a conference left, and this is just damage control. This is a last-ditch effort. This is very desperate on her on her point to get something together. Just come up with something. She's throwing something at the wall and seeing what sticks. I can't blame her. Yeah. And the one, the smartest thing that I see here, and everybody can dog on me if they want, but it's expensive to travel. Yeah. And 
we've already cut some programs recently. A lot of schools around the country are cutting programs. And the fact, it says in this article, Temple to SMU, who are both the American, is 1,600 miles. Yep. And when all these programs get cut, A, you start dealing with Title IX issues, and B, it's not fair to those athletes. You cannot help that you were born with talent in tennis is exposed to football. Yeah. And those tennis players whose programs would get cut well before football work just as hard as the football players and deserve the same scholarship. And, and you know, they don't bring in the money. That's an individual sport right there. I yeah. mean, they're individual athletes. It's exactly. It's a team sport. So this would hugely fix that. I yeah. mean, these teams are as regionalized as you're going to get without throwing, you know – us in the same conference as Duke, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, and App. Yeah, I, I like this idea. I don't think this is kind of like the home run kind of additions we necessarily wanted, but uh, I definitely don't see this happening. It's a long shot. But in terms of addressing that issue when it comes to the kind of the lower level, not necessarily revenue-generating sports like a tennis or whatever the case may be, it fixes that problem because – Teams in the American, they're already kind of struggling financially. Why make things worse with a Western Conference expansion? Let's say we threw around the idea of San Diego State there for a little bit before they decided we're staying in the Mountain West. It would make no sense to pay travel expenses to send tennis or volleyball out there all the way to California when your 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 university and your athletic program as a whole is already struggling financially. It just doesn't make a whole a lot of sense. Heck, the NFL teams here don't like flying to yeah, California. Exactly, and they're getting yeah. paid millions of dollars. Yeah, it, it's just not good for your athletes. It's not good for your already pre-existing members. I think at the end of the day, when it comes to this expansion deal, Oresco's got to keep his his already existing conference members in mind and, and look out for their best interests. I think he does. And another thing, and this is going to go to the revenue thing on the other side, the bad news of this is – this does not look like powerful enough conference yeah. to be all but guaranteed a New Year's Six Bowl as we currently are. Yeah, that's a good point. And when you do that, that brings in a lot of money. Remember when UCF won the whatever year they – I don't remember what bowl was. I think it was a 2017. or something. They claimed they were national yeah. champions. ECU, don't quote me on this number, I believe got $400,000 out of that. Yeah. And the nice thing is you get money for when you get teams in the NCAA tournament and – you know, ideally, the East. Oh, the East doesn't even have Memphis in it. Yeah, we'd probably be a one-bit league <laughs> off this. I mean, Western Kentucky or Middle Tennessee State, I guess South Florida's a decent team in basketball. What I don't necessarily understand about the proposal is would this kind of merge the conferences and make them one, and this is kind of like an East division or a West division, or is this kind of a deal where we just – it's like a trade almost. It's, it's not necessarily clear here in this article, but – I don't know if it's a necessarily a merger or if it's just kind of like an exchanging of teams. Well, I think it would have to be a trade because in sports such as basketball, yeah. you would still – if you played 22 conference games, yeah. there's 22 teams mentioned here. You're only playing one team once, yeah. twice. Yeah. And football, of course, the right now this has the East having 10 teams. It has the West having 12, but Wichita State's one of those, so you know that doesn't count for them. Football goes to 11 you would have to play every team in your division to have a divisional champion, so you're playing 10 out of your 12 games as conference games. And bottom line is when your school's these size, you uh, need to go to those Power 5 schools for those paydays. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm glad we're going to Michigan in a couple of years. So I do think this would be two conferences. Yes, it doesn't specify, but the way it just logistics with scheduling, yep. I would say 
this is this is two different conferences. Yeah, it's it's definitely a long shot. And um, basically, we'll go ahead and get into AAC basketball media days earlier today. Joe Dooley did not speak. He will speak tomorrow in day two of kind of media days when it comes to basketball in the American. But a Mike Oresco did speak, and I told you guys yesterday, it's got to be asked, the question in terms of conference expansion, what's going on with conference expansion, that question needs to be asked. Now, it was asked. He kind of blew it off a little bit, didn't want to reveal the details as expected. But somebody did ask and did a little bit more detail to kind of like pry away a little bit, get at least some kind of information. They asked about the proposal that was released yesterday by Sports Illustrated that we were just talking about. Um, and here's the tweet right here. It's by Jason Beatty. And he, uh, he reports that on Conference USA, sending a letter to the AAC on Tuesday about reorganizing to make regional conferences, AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco confirms he did, he did receive a letter with that proposal, but he hasn't formally responded, but he made it known in media day. He straight up said this is the only sentence that matters out of that whole media day. I didn't bring you cuts because none of the other stuff mattered. It was all very fan servicey. It's what a commissioner is supposed to say. It wasn't interesting. I'm not going to bore you or waste your time with cuts that don't matter. That's not what I do here. Anyways, what he said is I think we've stated a few times we're not really interested in a merger. We're not interested in working that out with the Conference USA. So what that tells me right there is he's cherry-picking the best teams for the Conference USA, and he's going to end the Conference USA. There will not be a Conference USA to be had after this. I think he's heavily pursuing the best teams from that conference is what this tells me. I think so for sure. I mean, not saying he's not pursuing a Sun Belt team or two. I would prefer if he does, but yeah. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. But I think he's he's clearly pursuing some of these teams. I would I would go and maybe say like Rice is one of them. Yeah. Just because it's close to SMU and you know historically it helps the Texas deal and everything. Yeah, it yeah. does. Um, especially with travel out there with those Western schools. Yeah. Kind of replaces Houston on the travel schedule. Yeah. And. Um, I think you're 100% right. He's got to be pursuing some of these schools. They realize that they are going to have – this is a dog-eat-dog world, and they are going to be the MAC yeah. if this if this happens. Yeah. I mean, that they're going to be equivalent to the MAC. Because right now I would put Conference USA over the MAC. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah, but I, that, that tells me right there, Mike Resco, cold-blooded gangster. Maybe I'm not so sour on the extension like I thought it would, would be. At first, I looked at the extension. you got to remember at the time – that when Mike Oresco got that three-year extension, he had plans for a Western expansion for this conference, which I didn't think was a good idea. He was talking Air Force, Colorado State, San Diego State, and Boise State, all as potential additions. Didn't like that idea whatsoever, and I was like, I don't really see why you would give this guy an extension if that's his plans. But seeing what I'm seeing right here, especially with this whole Conference USA deal, Hey, I, credit, to, credit to Mike Oresco. He's being aggressive. You have to be aggressive if you want to be considered a quote-unquote power six here in this uh, in, in FBS football, to be quite frank with you. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I was with you there. It was like, what is the point of this West Coast expansion? Yeah. I mean, maybe they gave him the, the extension because he was pursuing teams that as much as we thought it sounded crazy, but – you know, that's kind of what you like out of your leader. Yeah. The guy who's a little gutsy and will expand, you know, go above and beyond, which is cool. And obviously, I think, like you said, it's right that he did get that extension. Now, looking back on it, I didn't agree with the Western expansion earlier. Obviously, we're not going to go into analyzing that all day. Yeah, it didn't happen. It's been done to I death. could sit here yeah. and talk for two hours as to why I thought that was a bad idea. Um, but either way, yeah, I like it. Um, 
like I said, you, you hate to see a conference go under. It's it's not that I wish bad on Conference USA, but we got to be selfish here, and uh, we love our ECU Pirates, and we got to want what's best for our school and our uh, our athletic programs. Mike Oresco, cold-blooded gangster. <laughs> I love it. I love it, yeah. Hey, I mean, the credit to him. And, you know, I, I told you guys yesterday I was going to make sure we got that information, and I torn it down for you. All you needed to know was one sentence right there, not interested in a merger. So that tells me, or tells you all right there, Conference USA it is, best teams for Conference USA. Maybe we can renew it, maybe an old-school ECU Marshall rivalry, which is what you love to see. And never really felt right that Marshall and ECU were in separate conferences, especially with all the history behind that rivalry. It didn't. The only thing that kind of stinks about it being in the same conference, though, is then, like, the one year, I can't remember what year it was, they had to play each other for the – Eastern Division Championship. I think, I think that it was. furthers the rivalry, though. It does, it does, but almost it's one of those things where it's like because it has been such a friendly rivalry True, where you walk off yeah. the field and you hug the other team and you really do wish them the best. When you becomes a a diehard conference rivalry, you walk off the field and you're like, Well, I hope you guys don't win a game the rest yeah. of the year. Whether yeah. we beat you or you beat us, like I mean, you think what happens when Duke and Carolina shake hands. Yeah. Actually they probably don't. They probably give each other your number one finger, just not with the index finger, and they keep walking. That's yep. about it. Yeah. I, I don't want that to happen with Marshall. Yes, I would love to see us play them every year. I, I would love to see us play them six times in the next ten years instead of playing stupid Old Dominion six times in the next ten years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I'm not opposed to them being in the same conference. I just don't want it to become a hated rivalry, all it is. I think it's a friendly rivalry. It's fun. We respect them. They respect us, and I don't want to lose that. Yeah, and the whole deal with Western Conference expansion – Kind of the excuse was TV market. San Diego is a good TV market. Denver, Colorado State, that's a good TV market. Uh, Boise, not necessarily the best TV market, but that is, it's up there. I, it might be top 50. I don't know, but there's tradition there. There's drawing power there. Air Force kind of throws that out of the whole equation. Air Force isn't screening me a great TV market. But um, when you look at this whole deal and you look at the attendance numbers for those teams, it's right about around the same kind of drawing power that these teams in the Conference USA have. So I think you kind of solve that issue in terms you want teams that draw about the same amount, and you want teams like that can they, – they, they got a good enough TV market. We look at Charlotte. Charlotte is a good TV market. If we can get something going, if we can get regional interest, create rivalries here with teams like ECU or Marshall, the fans are going to get engaged. They're going to start watching. They're going to – I mean, there's going to be money to be have there if you keep it more – to a more regional approach. I look at it this way. Nobody wants to see ECU San Diego State. That's never going to draw. That's never going to be a big draw. Exactly. You know, you brought up these places have the same attendance. It's yeah. like some of the Conference USA schools. Yeah. Well, look, when Wyoming has good attendance, it's because they're playing Colorado State, and it's an hour-and-a-half drive, and honestly, there's no cops really between the two, so you can do it in like 45 minutes, to be honest. Not yeah. saying I have. <laughs> um, but... Uh, the bottom line is those attendance numbers might drop by bringing them here because yep. Wyoming, or I guess we were getting Colorado State, they're not going to be drawing in away fans when they're playing Temple exactly, like they were yeah. when they were playing Nevada. You know, Nevada's not close, but it's it's a lot closer to it, Laramie, Wyoming, or it, to Fort Collins, Colorado. If you can get a rivalry brewing with regional kind of teams like ECU Charlotte, ECU Marshall, there's more potential money to be have, had or be had down the line for this conference, and there's going to be more appeal, I think, in terms of with this whole TV deal and everything, as opposed to, you know, like I said, ECU San Diego State, ECU Boise State. I just don't think there's a lot of interest there when it comes to those teams and the teams that are already pre-existing in the American. 
Well, and then when we go to San Diego State, what time does the game start? Are we playing at 10.30? Exactly. And then when they come here, are they playing at 9 a.m. their I, time? I guess it's going to be at 3.30. Uh, that, that's the only place you can really put it. I, that Do kinda, we have a TV deal at 3.30? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, the thing. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me anyways. I think we pretty much have that down-packed right there. About all you could say about it. And Mike Oresco kept it short and sweet, and I wasn't going to bore you with a bunch of cuts nobody cares about that had no substance whatsoever. So there you go. That's going to do it there on Conference USA and American Expansion Talks. That's the latest. And we kind of brought it up. We didn't talk about it too much. But they did say in this merger, and I know it's not going to happen, two potential additions in the Eastern Conference. Hopefully they're going after teams in the Sun Belt. Let's leave it at that. App and Coast. App and Coast. I would love it. Coming up after the break, what is it going to take for Cincinnati to get to the college football playoffs? We'll, We'll explore that next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Online or on the go, Love it. log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day, you need to tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. The Jolly Roger has set sail. He breaks a tackle. He's in the 10 to the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Pirates. Pirate football. At the 18-yard line, and the Pirates are going to Is back. Picked up by the Pirates. Tune in for all the hard-hitting action all season long on your home for East Carolina football. The flagship for the ECU Pirates, 94-3 The Game. Is your pharmacy fumbling when it comes to customer service, prescription fills, compounding, medical equipment, and enteral intravenous therapy? Perhaps it's time for you to allow HealthWise Pharmacy to score a touchdown in regards to your pharmaceutical needs. Locally owned and operated by pharmacist Marcy Parker, HealthWise Pharmacy puts you and your health first, offering top-of-the-line customer service, individual attention, and free prescription delivery to anywhere in Pitt County. HealthWise Pharmacy, 615B Memorial Drive in Greenville. Hey, I'm Gray Fussell, proud fourth-generation winemaker at Dupin Winery and proud new graduate of East Carolina. So many great things are happening right now at the winery. We're celebrating our 45th anniversary this year, and I'm officially Duplin's newest full-time employee. For four years now, I've been asking you to buy our delicious wines from your favorite store, and I hope you'll continue to do so. I think this makes me the official voice of Dupin Winery, so if you see my boss, who is also my dad, tell him I deserve a raise. Thank you for your support, and go Pirates. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest-rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. 
At Aces for Autism, we celebrate new milestones each day. Hi, I'm Kyle Robinson. We are growing and looking for behavioral staff and teachers to join the Aces team. Be a part of walking alongside and changing the lives of children and families impacted by autism. Both full and part-time job opportunities are available. Contact us at 252-689-6645 or email us at info at acesforautismnc.com. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. songs that I like. Uh, they're a smaller band, but they've come on tour around the area a few times. So are they, are they local? Are they, are they local flavor? No, no, they're not, but they have toured locally, though. Uh, okay, alright. Well, I dig it. It's alright. I like the bass, at the very least. Yeah. I like this, though, an up-and-coming band. Hey, she is introducing us and our listeners to a new up-and-coming band. This could be what uh, yes. gives them their big break. There you go. I like it, Courtney. Good job as our music director here. Probably the best music director we've ever had. The only music director. Yeah, I just get lazy and I'm just like, oh, we'll start with Welcome to the Jungle and yeah. then we'll move to a Motley Crue song. And I, I'm pretty predictable, so I like that she's throwing, you know, some put, unpredictability in there. I'll put it this way. She was great enough, so good, that we made her the first music director. So that tells you all you need to do. The first and only. Anyways, getting back to Cincinnati here. Cincinnati, of course, now number three in the AP Top 25 poll receiving a little over 1,400 votes. Uh, the only teams ahead of them are Iowa, who looks very uh, volatile. Like It doesn't seem like they're going to last up there in the top four. And uh, Georgia, who's 6-0, and they're followed by Oklahoma at four, and Alabama at five. Alabama's 5-1. and um, Looking at this, I guess we can go ahead and start with Iowa. Um, I think we can kind of expect the Iowa to fall out of the top four. What do you think, Philip? I don't know. Really? You don't know? I- Purdue, listen, listen to this, listen to this. Purdue, at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, at Nebraska. All right, I think that Purdue game could be a sleeper game. I it think could per- be. I think Purdue, like, really, when you look at any of these games, I think there could be a potential upset there, but I'll leave it at this. Yes, Penn State is a very good team, but they almost lost that game, and if Penn State's starting quarterback didn't get hurt, Iowa State, we wouldn't even be talking about them being in the top five. Not even I don't even think top eight, maybe. So here's the here's my question though. And the offense does not look good. If Iowa loses, then Penn State, Iowa, and Ohio State all have a loss. Yeah. You Michigan's still undefeated, but we don't think they're gonna go undefeated. Yeah. But an undefeated Michigan team would be in over Cincinnati. An undefeated Iowa team would be in over Cincinnati. I still think if Iowa loses Say they lose to Purdue. They get big-headed because they beat Penn State. They would still probably end up playing – they would still end up winning the West. Yep. They would probably play 
probably Penn State or Ohio State. I mean, yeah, Michigan could win it, but they still have to play Penn State and Ohio State. Um, I still think a one-loss Big Ten champion gets in under an undefeated Cincinnati team. I agree. Patrick tends to disagree. He thinks they're finally going to get the benefit of doubt because that Notre Dame win. But look, Notre Dame, I think they're kind of imitators this year. They're pretenders, not contenders. I don't think – at the end of the day, yes, that's a big win for the American, but I don't think that's going to necessarily give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the selection committee. I, I agree. I really think so. I think yeah. the committee has established – what they are going to do, and they are being consistent with it, whether we agree with it or not. They're we consistent. Could, the we could go least. on to a whole other segment of that, so we're not yeah. going to go into that. But what I want to ask you, because this is where it gets a little shaky, if Iowa wins the rest of the regular season games and loses to either Penn State or Ohio State, who would be a one-loss Penn State or a one-loss Ohio State, who would have beaten Michigan, who would have beaten the other of the two, yeah, whichever one it is, and that team gets in, and Iowa is a one-loss team, and their only loss is to another team in the college football playoff. Yeah. Are they both in over Cincinnati? You, you know, I, I don't know. But I look at the top four here. All of these teams are undefeated, and we talk about how volatile kind of Iowa is. It doesn't seem like they're going to hold that spot for long. At least I don't think so. Um, but I also look at Oklahoma. Pretty much all their wins have been near losses. Like, they've almost lost every game. And I look at their schedule coming up. And I could see some potential losses here. Uh, specifically, Oklahoma State, I think that'll be a tough game. Iowa State, that's no cookie-cutter team right there. Um, Baylor's on a down year, but who knows? Maybe there could be something there, a tough game there. Um, and Texas Tech, Texas Tech also kind of on a down year, but maybe they can get something going. Um, Kansas, I'm not giving Kansas much of a chance. And then TCU. So, I mean, there is some tough matchups there. And I don't anticipate Oklahoma being undefeated coming out of this. So when you look at it, outside of Oklahoma and Iowa, who I anticipate to have a loss, you'll have Georgia, you'll have Cincinnati, you'll have Bama, because I think Bama wins out. Well, could they win out if they play Georgia? In the, in the, see, that where that's, there's a, that throws a monkey wrench in everything, the SEC championship game. Yeah, well, Georgia's got to beat Kentucky this week. Kentucky's yeah. still undefeated. Kentucky's a good, yeah, it's a good team. But, you know, it's interesting. I'm not going to disagree with you with the Oklahoma thing. Yeah. But I am going to slightly disagree that we're counting the Big 12 out because yeah. that team that might beat them in a couple of weeks, or maybe it's this week, Oklahoma State, Yeah. they're undefeated too. That's true, and if yeah. the Cowboys go undefeated out of that conference, they're automatically in over Cincinnati. I mean, you could the- theoretically right now – I, th- I believe I don't think there's an undefeated Pac-12 team, but there is an undefeated team in the other four major conferences. Yeah, not that I see Wake Forest running the table and getting in, yeah. but I mean, if Wake Forest is thirteen and zero, yeah, out of the ACC, maybe they get get a nod. That's fair enough. I could see it. Yeah, and another thing you brought up was was the Clems was the Georgia Bama thing. Yeah. They're still going to get the benefit of the doubt Look, if either of those two lose to each other, I, I think. I think, yeah. I mean, now if Bama loses, a, if they lose to Georgia, then with two losses, I don't think gets in over Cincinnati anyway in heck. They've never put a two-loss team in. You don't think so? I, a two-loss Bama, heck no. Not I, with the I, loss to, who they lose to, A&M? Yeah, no. Did they, they did lose to A&M. Yeah, I, I, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but, Bama would have probably dropped big time. But if Bama wins out, and again, same scenario I brought up with the Big Ten, Bama is the SEC champion at 12-1. and They've beaten all these great teams, including yep. Georgia. And Georgia is 12-1 and and not an SEC champion, and their only loss is to Bama, who they put in the college football They're playoff. They're going to get in, yeah. I think both of them get in over Cincinnati. 
At the very least, I think the theme of this whole thing is that the college football season, especially in the Power Five, everything is wide open. It's not really what we're used to where Clemson dominates, Bama dominates. We see some new faces in the top ten. and You see a lot of one-loss one teams in the top ten. So I think now is more time than ever for Cincinnati to capitalize, and this might be the year. This might very well be the year because, like you said, for some of these teams, how can you justify two or three lost teams getting in? Like a lot of these top ten, ten teams right now, they're not going to be undefeated or one-win teams for much longer. A lot of these teams in the top ten are going to be playing each other multiple times this year. So, I mean, now's more time than ever. Everything's wide open. Everything's very competitive in the Power Five. And I think this is a chance for Cincinnati to capitalize and finally get in. Their only test coming up on their schedule, in my opinion, is towards the end of the year, right before our game against them, against SMU. And who knows what SMU would be at that point. And then they would most likely probably have to beat SMU again yep. in the uh, championship, championship game. game yeah. But I think the, the thing of this, and the, our original question was, what has to happen? Yep. And my, my quick answer is this. Wake Forest has got to lose at some point. they got to have a loss for Cincinnati to get in over them. I think you don't want Oklahoma or Oklahoma State to go undefeated either. And I can see them with one loss, Cincinnati getting in over one of those two with one loss because neither one of them have been impressive. And then – Ideally, you would like to see Georgia just beat Bama or Georgia lose twice. Somebody had a – excuse me, Georgia and Bama need two losses. And then, uh, like I said, I, I really do think – I mean, you know you got to throw Michigan in the conversation. They're number eight. They're six and zero, oh, but they'll probably lose to Penn State and Ohio State. I think somewhere in there you do not, you do not want two teams out of the Big Ten who are – one-loss teams, one of them being a one-loss conference champion, one of them's only loss being to that one-loss conference champion. So, yeah. uh, like I said, I think right now the way it looks, everything everybody kind of holds serve, and, you know, Bama pulls off the upset. It'd be Bama, Georgia, Iowa, and, and the winner of the Ohio State – or the winner of the uh, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game potentially or Maybe a so. second Big Ten team. That can so. potentially down the line end up being a big game at the end of the year. We don't usually see those when it comes to the end of regular season. So, yeah. hey, I'm all for it. Anyways – we gotta get going. We gotta catch a break here. We're way over time here, and uh, when we come back, kind of gotta wrap it up. Preview things that are gonna to come for the rest of the week. Now that I got my main man, the Pilk here, what's gonna be happening? Maybe a little bit of hockey talk. Maybe a little bit of Washington football team talk. Get into John Gruden, the MLB playoffs, all that, and much more on the other side of this quick timeout. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Atavola in Greenville is your local marketplace. Atavola offers diverse menu selections, casual lunches, and family meals ready to go. At Atavola, they specialize in the creative use of fresh ingredients, seasonal menu selections, and fun culinary creations from the kitchen that will satisfy even the pickiest taste buds. Treat yourself to lunch or dinner today at Atavola, and make sure to join them the second Wednesday of every month for their free wine tastings. Atavola Red Banks Road in Greenville. 
Need $1,000 to $10,000 immediately for a gift for someone special, car repairs, or unexpected expenses? Time Financing Service offers competitive loan rates. Apply online and get your answer in less than an hour in most cases. Then you can pick up the cash at any of our 24 convenient locations. Apply online 24-7 at timefinancing.com. That's timefinancing.com. Time Financing Service. All loans subject to current credit policy of Time Financing Service. One-hour loan approval and same-day cash in most circumstances. Exceptions may apply. I'm with my health insurance agent, Bill Jenkins. Bill is an employee benefit specialist and life insurance agent from Town Insurance. Bill, give us an update on Town Insurance here in North Carolina. Town Insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide. We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, we specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration, as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program? Give us a call, 252-756-8300. Call today as the best time is now to come to town. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newburn is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to Captain Spin Bar here to wrap it up. Going into the P-Man, joined by my main man, Phil, the Rev. And of course, this is my favorite one yet. What a great way to end the show. Who is this? What is the deal here? Because it was high energy, and I wanted to have a high energy finish to the show. A good way to end the show. Everyone's excited. We're finally getting off air. I like this song, so this is something I have heard. So. You have heard this song? Yeah. This is new to me. I think I'm adding it to the Spotify playlist. I like it. I like it. Anyways, previewing things to come later this week with me and Philip. Um, little hockey, 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 little hockey, little hockey talk tomorrow. The Canes opening night tomorrow night. A little in-depth talk about the Hurricanes and their potential season next year. Are they playoff? Are they just kind of playoff imitators? Or are they contenders? We'll see. Also, ESPN de- debuted at NHL kind of as a main kind of new thing coming on their broadcast in the future here and um, had the opening, had the highest average viewers for an NHL opening night ever. So we're, hey, for the people that says hockey doesn't matter and people don't care about hockey, we have the numbers to dispute that. So yes, we are going to talk hockey tomorrow. Plus, MLB playoffs, our man Phillip was on the scene at one of those games, Boston taking on the Rays. A little in-depth discussion about the playoffs, maybe some Washington football team, the Panthers, all that and much more this week. Any closing thoughts, Philip? 
I'm excited. I'm excited about this week. Excited to talk a little NFL, and uh, I know everybody here in the South doesn't love hockey, so we won't bore them with it too long. But bottom line is, Canes, and that's it. The Canes, the Canes are contenders, man, and you, you got to respect it. It's it's good for the uh, local economy when the Canes win, because people are going to spend more money. So exactly. Hopefully, they can make their run this year. That's going to do it for Ben Byron and Philip the Ref Pilkington here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Same time. Oh yes, thank you, music director Courtney here. Always a blast when she's around here picking great music. She has been promoted. She is no longer intern Courtney Weird. She is now music director. She has an official title. She's lost the title of intern. At least we're in charge. Anyway, that's going to do it here for the Patrick Johnson Show. We're out. Same time tomorrow at 5 here on the flagship station ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game.